because there's no methadone for football. It's the Inactives with Matt Ufford and Nick Stevens. Welcome to the Inactives. I'm Matt Ufford of SB Nation, joined by my pal, my co-host, Nick Stevens. How's it going, bud? Pal host Stevens checking in. Uh, how, so, um... The New England Patriots have uh, a historically easy path to the Super Bowl. Congratulations. Don't. Don't be that guy. No. Come on. Uh, that, it, was, it was borne out by advanced stats. It was... Oh, please. These advanced analytics. That and $2.12 will still get you a, a tall cup of overcooked coffee at Starbucks. Come on. We all know what's up Sunday. Tom Brady and his busted up hand and the patchwork Patriots offense against... The greatest defense in the history of time, Saxonville, coming via the Tom Coughlin Express to wreck Patriot dreams once again. Mm. The Jagwagon. Okay. We were first on it, by the way. Yes. Can, can we just start I'm this a off? Lifelong Jacksonville fan. Well, listen, I, 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 for one, have long taken delight in mocking Jacksonville. I mean, come on, <laughs> the eighty-mile-wide dollar store. Jackson, Jacksonville, I've compared Jacksonville to, like, the parking lot after a Jimmy Buffett concert. <laughs> Someone, I, I, one of uh, the, the best interactions I've ever had on Twitter, I was, this is years ago, I was, I was making fun of Jacksonville for some reason, and, and someone was like, have you even been to Duval? Have you ever have you been to Jacksonville? And I was like, are there some Connex boxes I need to see? I've been. And I remember getting there and I was like, oh, cool. Where's the downtown? Or like, uh, so what do people do here? And they're like, this is it. And I was like, oh, this is uh, this is tremendously underwhelming. Jacksonville is to large American cities what the Phantom Menace was to Star Wars. You're in there. You're in it. And you're like, wait, is this, this is it? We should also, I don't mean to disrupt the podcast uh, more so than the hammering in the background is. We should clarify that there's a little bit of light construction going on in your home. Light construction. Uh, here at uh, Inactives Industries, we are always working to build a better podcast, just like my <laughs> wife is always working in the background to build better toy shelves for the children. <laughs> you got to have toy shelves. But Matt, don't people come here for our uh, the camaraderie and interaction, the puns and portmanteaus, this top flight friendly football analysis, and of course, a slice of real life. Like my I... wife is literally laughing because... She's thinking to herself, like, uh, considering that we have two kids and we're so tired, we never actually engage in romantic activities. This is literally the only drilling that has gone on here in a year. Oh. <laughs> oh, you... deal with it, woman. Wow. <laughs> at least you had the... Uh, <laughs> She's laughing. At least you said it in front of her. That makes oh, it better. Oh, I would never... No, no, no. Who am I? Aziz Ansari? Come on. Oh. Hey, hey. I, can, I can say it because I worked with him and I knew him for a while. He sucks. Oh, okay. Yeah, you were on the, I remember we had this conversation, the, the, you, uh, you were on the early, early anti-Aziz. Uh, I was not in that particular room. I did not go to that oyster restaurant. I have no idea who put their fingers where or who said yes, no, when and how. I'm just not a fan, personally. Okay. That's all. Um, Thought I would add that in there, which has ad- absolutely nothing to do uh-oh. with the AFC and the NFC championships. Hey, so um, before we dive into actual previews of the conference championships, how's life, man? What's going on? 
uh, as you can see by my borrowed out raccoon eyes, uh, right now I'm feeling fresh as lettuce, fre- fresh, Rudy Tootie, fresh and fruity on this end. Uh, working hard, just, you know, busy as can be. Um, winter isn't coming, it's here. Uh, it's cold as balls up this way. Um, it's a great time of year because uh, I love January, man. It's, you know, it, it's different on my end because January is full of all sorts of good times. I you got a bunch, birthday. Uh, yeah, I got I got my brother's birthday a few weeks ago. Got to go down the city. I got other friends that have birthdays. Uh, I dropped the big 44 tomorrow, Oof. which is uh, exciting and all too real. Um way more grays in the beard right now than I ever thought. I don't feel, it's funny thing is, I don't feel it. I don't know what 44 is supposed to feel like. I guess I'll find out tomorrow. Um, But this is such a fun time of the year. I mean, there's all sorts of good movies to watch or to catch up on because it's like movie award season. So I get to watch these cool movies during the midweek to pass the time between football weekends. Uh, Last weekend was awesome. The football was fantastic. Um, I'm, well, get, the the football on Sunday was fantastic. The foot, okay, right. I the mean, football at least the, on the Saturday game, was enjoyable for you. The the latter one was. The first one was tight. At least it was watchable. Yeah. I mean, look, when we get down to it, and now we're in only three NFL games left territory. You oh. gotta say you. This is this is um. You sit down to that plate of like chicken and waffles, and you're like, oh my god, there's like two enormous Belgian waffles slathered in hot sauce and syrup and these these two huge pieces of chicken this is going to take me forever and next thing you know you're talking you're drinking you order another beverage whatever and there's only like three bites left and you're like oh my god how do i make these three bites last because this has just been everything we are now officially in only three bites left of chicken and waffles territory dude i would not compare the nfl season to a plate of chicken and waffles um luckily you don't have to be me i don't i don't get heartburn from chicken and waffles <laughs> indigestion you're full of shit of course you do i know you when you watch this oh well this is this is new this is uff 3.0 who doesn't who's tried to emotionally untangle himself uh from the frustrations of watching the seahawks right um no i i mean like i still do get uh like i feel still feel it Ill. I've tried to I try to divorce myself and actually uh, writing NFL dad this year has done wonders on it puts into contrast uh, parenting and football and helps me realize how much more I enjoy and get out of parenting than I do watching football. And um, yeah, I, I think that we'll see how this offseason goes, but I may enter I may enter. 2018 as less of a Seahawks fan just because I it's not I haven't gotten any sort of emotional payoff and I've been like basically I've been too invested in the team for the last I don't know at least 10 years part of me wonders like legitimately wonders given how much joy I do get out of spending time with my kids and how I don't get to spend as much time with them as I used to and I want to Part of me wonders how much I'll be into football when the Brady-Belichick era ends. Like, when this run is done, will I be as into the Patriots? Will I be as into football? Or will I return football to what it was years ago, decades ago, literally? Something I enjoyed but didn't have to, like, 
think about every day the same way that like, you know, fat people covet ice cream and, you know, professional drinkers look forward to cracking that first beer at five o'clock, four o'clock, noon, whatever. I wonder if I'm going to love it as much as I used to, or I'm kind of anxious to experience that. I think I will. I think I'll love it, but I just won't freak out about it as much. And obviously the ROI, the return on investment here has been uh, pretty substantial. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, by the way, so we'll, let's go ahead and talk about the AFC, the AFC right now, the, the Pats Jags. I'm just going to mm-hmm. go out and I'm going to come out and say it. I'm taking the Jags to win. You I, can, you can just listen to drilling for 10 seconds for all I care. Yeah. <laughs> those are my, those are my gears. That's actually, she stopped drilling a while ago. Those are my gears grinding you're hearing right now. Um, okay. We were in on, no, when I said earlier in the podcast, we called the Jag wagon first. We hear have thought for a while that the Jaguar... We've been on the Jaguar for three years. Dude, we coined that phrase. That's us. Yeah. We'll never get get credit for it. Mm -hmm. We'll never get credit for Jaguar. No, this defense is is awesome. And they're playing with the right kind of momentum. And they have nothing but house money riding into Sunday. And they have the perfect defense and the perfect front office orchestrator of previous Patriot demises to put it together on Sunday and possibly stage the upset. But I want to hear exactly why you're taking them aside from, you know, just getting the look and the rise out of me that you just got um, moments ago. Number one is um, I, I already got the blessing of uh, not seeing the Steelers in the Super Bowl. That is, that is the most I can ask for. Like, number one, I want to see my team in the Super Bowl. If that's not possible, I don't want the Steelers in. And if that's not po- if that's like the next thing down is the Patriots. I don't want to see the Patriots in the Super Bowl. It's not necessarily anti what you want. It's just that like they've had they've had enough. Let's get some fresh blood in there. But so, is, that, is this the fresh blood you want in there, or you just want any fresh blood? You don't understand how little I. I don't want I'm fucking sick of your stupid team in the Super Bowl. All right. I'm just gonna like y'all had enough. Y'all have had enough. All right. No, we haven't. Nah. I I hope that Calais Campbell gets to Tom Brady in the backfield and then like Bo Jackson breaking a baseball bat after striking out, picks up Brady and shatters his spine over his knee. That's what I want. I want I'm fucking over it. I'm so like, you want him to go full Bane. You want him to just pick up Batman and just break him in half. Yeah. Yeah. I, I listen, I was I was late to and again, this is not against most people hate like the Patriots fan base and like hey, I have cheaters. I don't have any of that. I've I've enjoyed a, a good amount of the Patriots dominance, but like I'm now now I'm like, all right, no, it's been enough. And the the historically easy route, like, oh, not one but two AFC South teams to get to the Super Bowl. Well, gr- good for you. So, I and and, and another th- another aspect of it is I'm tired of just making jokes about Blake Bortles sucking and then him still winning. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna steer into the skid and be like, you know what, Jags are gonna win. A la, was it like the 2009 Ravens team that like went to Foxborough and should have just gotten their been pantsed by Brady and company and instead they like 
got an early like sack, uh, strip sack, fumble touchdown, jumped out to an early lead and never looked back. So that game was that game was fourteen nothing less than five minutes into it. Like second or third play from scrimmage, Ray Rice went up the middle for eighty three yards, virtually untouched for the touchdown. And then the Pats come out on offense. The crowd is stunned. Terrell Suggs blows by Matt Light, strip sack, fumble, touchdown. Yeah, and then Pats were able to do nothing. It was like 21 not It was almost like Jag Steelers in a lot of ways, except the comeback that the Patriots tied, tried to stage was, you know, Brady, who had just lost Wes Welker to an ACL tear That's on the right. turf. Uh, in like week turf. 17, right? Yeah, in, in a meaningless game in Reliance Stadium down in Houston. Uh he threw his first couple touchdown passes ever to Edelman, and a new era was born that day in Gillette Stadium. <laughs> uh, but that no, that game was a complete pantsing. That's considered like one of the most demoralizing losses during that run, or just ever in Pat's history. But uh, they, but Belichick hated that team. But he he kept he was caught by NFL films, you know, talking to Brady in meetings. He was mic'd up for a portion of that season and on the sidelines saying, like, I, I don't know what to do with this team. I can't get them to listen. They don't listen. I can't get them to respond to me. And that hasn't been symptomatic of this team. If anything, this talent level is not commensurate necessarily to the record nor the recent Patriots teams that have made long postseason runs and even won Super Bowls, but they respond. This team has... Not only outkicked the the coverage of expectation, but has chipped in in parts and places where these no name Charlies and Johnny off the street have have performed well past any expectation you could have put on them, and you know somehow at forty with a, a bad Achilles, uh, a busted hand, and everything, you know Brady's still Brady. What's going on with the hand, by the way? Well, there were rumors that the hand's been banged up for a while. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, I know. Ooh. Yeah, another classic case of the Pats not reporting their injuries and finding out another way to game the system. Well, I you wish said I could, it, not me. I wish I could put a the Patriots put me in my own little blue tent every week, those motherfuckers. Uh, so who, apparently who is that? Uh, um uh, angry angry random townie. Okay. Okay. <laughs> one of the voices that snuck out of one of my Fitzy videos. Uh huh. Hey, back in your closet. Uh <laughs> Um, uh, somebody once pointed out something, uh, about the Fitzy videos that I never really realized is that, um, when I make them, it's basically me just arguing with myself (laughs) (laughs) with different voices. I just let the voices out of my head and I just have an argument with myself for five minutes, five tightly edited minutes. Um, so apparently somebody, uh, like he went to do a handoff and there was either like a stumble or a collision and they banged into his hand pretty good. And he actually, uh, got cut like there's a laceration so he had to go get x-rayed it was bad enough that he skipped the press conference and had to get x-rayed they said he should be okay it'd be fine but now of course the 24-hour news cycle uh must love this because it gives them a new talking point beyond the whole like will the patriots crack the jacksonville defensive enigma code or is this the defense perfectly constructed a la the 27 2007 giants to Staged the upset in Foxborough. Now they can just focus on the hand. Personally, I say he goes full Ronnie Lott, cuts it off, and just plays lefty Sunday. <laughs> um, I think what we're actually going to see is because the weakness in the Jags defense is the run defense, um, that we're going to see 
30, at least 30 uh, rushing attempts from the Patriots offense, maybe even 35, depending on how well it goes. And now the, the I think the Jags had the 26th uh, best run defense, which is low, but then it also greatly improved once they traded for Marcel Darius. So um, we'll see how successful that is. But I would expect um, they're going to be getting the ball out of Brady's hands as, as quickly as possible. Uh, here's here's a, a, a little... A, a sneaky little nugget. Uh, so Garoppolo, with that, you know, 1999 greatest show on turf of an offense that he had out there, you know, Marquise Goodwin. Um, uh, I don't know if I can actually name another receiver on the team. Um, Trent Taylor, maybe? Uh, they put up 44 points on him back in, like, I think it was Christmas Day or Week 15, 16, whatever, Week 16. Mm-hmm. Uh and I read an article where they said of all of his passes, the average time of release was 1.92 seconds. Yeah. So it was like they ran a lot of, uh, got out of the 11 personnel, one and two receiver sets, a lot of stuff to the backs, like uh, over the middle, quick and out to the flats, basically using the passing game as a running game. And, you know, working it in the under twos, was highly effective against them. And we've seen the Pats do that for years with great effect. So I wouldn't be surprised if basically they just borrow Garoppolo's blueprint on Sunday um, and just mix it up with their own players. I mean, Kyle Shanahan might just hand it over because uh, after the Super Bowl, Shanahan and Belichick met to kind of like go over it and just kind of put Shanahan's mind at ease, right? And I'm sure that like it's time it's time for, for Shanahan to, to, to pay Belichick back. And like, here you go, boss. Here's here's exactly what we did. Wouldn't that be Wouldn't that be weird? And if a lot of ways, Shanahan was like, "Thanks for the humbling. Can you tell me what you did? Yeah, this is what we did. This is what we saw. Okay, cool. That's gonna make me a better coach because I know you love my dad. Thanks. And now Garoppolo, we'll call it um, Garoppolo's gift. He's like, "Here, coach. Thanks for trading me away so I could actually start." And um, coach and I have a gift for you. It's how to beat Jacksonville Sunday. Because when you stop and think about it, that that defense is loaded. You take any two guys off the Jacksonville defense. Like, I'll give you an expansion draft, Matt. You can take Telvin Smith and Malik Jackson. You can take Jalen Ramsey and uh, was it my? Is it uh, Miles Jack? Miles He's Jack. The, yeah. Miles, right. You like they've got speedy, aggressive, slightly undersized but fast, good tackling linebackers. A boss front with Cala- with Calais Campbell, who's older, but what a hell of a season that guy had. Darius and Jackson, and then uh, Yannick and I Ngukwe. Oh, I don't know Ngakwe. how to say his last name. Uh, you got Dante Fowler, who's been displaced by Ngakwe, who's doing a great job on the end, and then you've got two good safeties and Gibson and Church, who are playing a hell of a lot better than when they used to in Cleveland and Dallas, and you've got kick-ass corners in Ramsey and Bouye. I mean, yeah. where's the where's the hole? There, they don't have any. That's it is the most complete defense uh, in the NFL. All due respect to the Vikings and Eagles, who also have kick-ass defenses, but um, I think that what makes the difference between the Eagles and Vikings versus the uh, the Jaguars is the Eagles and Vikings take the next step because of their coaches. Uh, Jim Schwartz as the DC for the Eagles and Zimmer for the uh, the Vikes, whereas the Jaguars well-coordinated defense, but the key to them really is just immense talent at every single position. Don't they basically play um, 
the Jacksonville equivalent of the Seahawks defense, like the kind of cover three? Yeah, because because they're they have two lockdown corners, they they can afford to uh, dedicate a man to stopping the run. They don't have like quite the Cam Chancellor type uh, a heavy safety, but uh, Ramsey and Bouye are. Uh, very much the equals of Richard Sherman and, and take your second your pick of a second corner that the Seahawks have trotted out there. Okay, we all know that there is nothing more the the salted caramel ice cream sundae with uh, you know a Pappy Van Winkle twenty back on the side wow. Sunday for you would be you know Jags twenty four Pats ten. Okay. Let's just let's cash in our let's cash in our tickets at the fantasy casino and let's actually let's go let's go to Foxborough Sunday. What do you really see happening? Um I do think that it's going to come down to whoever wins the turnover battle. It's that that simple. Like Blake Bortles, the Steelers did not force a turnover from Blake Bortles. If you don't like Blake Bortles is he's t- he's Tim Tebow. Um, he's a slightly more reliable Tim Tebow where, and, and he has the difference between Bortles and Tebow is that like Bortles has like little flashes of, of competence. Um, and Belichick is obviously going to be smart enough to put a spy on Bortles so that like when the receivers are covered, um, he can't just run for 11 yards on third and eight, but the key is going to be like, if you just if you only play field position with the Jags and then like their defense forces a turnover when you're pinned at the 20, well, you know what? Like they'll take a field goal or Leonard Fournette's going to be able to do it in the red zone. The Steelers lost because Ben Roethlisberger threw an interception uh, that set the Jags up with a very short field and they didn't have uh, a red zone stop the entire game. I think the Jacksonville was six for six uh, scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Pittsburgh's so. defense played Sunday like they were resting up for a showdown the following Sunday in Foxborough. They talked it, they planned it, they walked it, they communicated it, and then that's last Sunday, they delivered it. I mean, their defense was atrocious on Sunday. Yeah. You know you know you have to sell out to stop Fournette. And if you if you one dimensionalize, if you will, the Jags you got a pretty good shot of being able to keep him in check, because if it's like, all right, we're gonna, all right, Bortles, I'll, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you the fifty-year-old Mercedes Lewis, D.D. Westbrook, and Keenan Cole. The kids are, they're both those rookies are fast. Yeah. But, I mean, you can't be looking for them to have 15, 15 catch, hundred and eighty yard, two touchdown performances because if that happens then, you know, somebody must have bagged and hooded all the Patriots' corners and replaced them with concessioneers and fans. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that that's like a that's a, a reality no one can prepare for. I'm not on board with this whole, like, oh, I can't, Bortles is going to suck Sunday. He's going to come in there and shit himself. He's not going to cave under the moment. I don't think he actually understands what pressure is. I don't even know if he can spell pressure. Yeah, I know. He's, he's not the brightest guy. Um, and I, 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 I say that, so I'm not saying he's an idiot. I'm just saying that, uh, he benefits from, it's kind of like the, the Eli Manning sort of thing where he's just like the, the things that normal people would feel pressure from like a moment or something like that. He's just kind of like obtuse to it. And so I, I don't think he's, and again, like 
it's not on Bortles to win the game. It's on the Jacksonville defense too. So, yep. And if if the Jags do pick off Brady once or twice, if they if they're able to rattle him with pressure up the middle, um, every every single Patriots playoff run that has been disrupted has come from pressure from a front four without blitzing, and that is what the Jags do. The Jags blitz less than any other team in the NFL, and yet they are the best, if not one of the best, if not the best at pressuring the quarterback and pressure rate. So, um, yeah, I, I think that like, look, the Patriots are the better team. The Patriots have a better coach. They have obviously a better quarterback. I think that they are uniquely built defensively to, to knock the Patriots off. I'm going to take the Jags, man. Like I, I look, there's any number of scripts for the Patriots to win run heavy defense. They can just borrow, they can borrow Shanahan's script that, that knocked the Jaguars off uh, when they played the 49ers. Obviously Brady is, uh, you know, equal to greater than equal to uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, but I don't know, man. I, I'm just like, I'm tired of picking against the Jags. I just, why not? Why not them? Picking against the Jags just because of Bortles or picking against the Jags just because Brady and, or even more so because it's in Foxborough, is just, it's like an, un, that's just an undereducated. That's yeah. Just, that's just not, you just haven't done your due diligence there. Like Bortles is just uniquely himboish enough just just you almost uniquely dumb enough like situationally emotionally and intellectually unaware enough to freak out about that i think and- that yeah i think the reason that um and the reason i'm going with the jags is the same reason that i kind of this game reminds me a little bit of super bowl 40 with the seahawks beating the broncos where almost universally everybody was saying like oh the broncos peyton manning record-setting offense and didn't get like people discounted uh, a historic defense and obviously Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch are uh, a great deal better uh, at running the ball than Blake Bortles and Leonard Fournette. But ah, man, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I just, we'll see. We'll see. Sunday will tell us all. Uh, so that was Super Bowl 48. And yes, you guys laid the wood. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. please. That, but you, you guys laid the wood to Denver in that historic offense. Um, I the, the one thing I the this is the one time if if ever you were gonna like pick the old karate master who sees that you know in like on the other side like the faster opponent, you know, quicker, stronger. This is uh, empty the box, man. Whatever guile, wit, and you know, sneaky Amendola and shifty Dion Lewis is left in the. To get them to the big one, I got yeah. Pat's. Tw- I got twenty three sixteen. I could, I could see that. I could see. I could even see that. Like, look, the Steelers hung forty two on the Jags defense. You know, like the the Seahawks had a shootout with the 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 Jags in uh, in Jacksonville earlier in the year. Right. Um, they you can like for as good as the defense is, like it is designed to stop the pass when you don't have an elite quarter uh, quarterback. So, look, Blake Bortles could turn the ball over three or four times, and this could be 44 to three. Like, it, it, this could be an Ooh, absolute Patriots oh, blowout. Oh, yeah. And 
and at the end of the day, people can come to me like, really, you took Doug Marone and Bortles over Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. And I'll sound like a fucking idiot. But I don't know. I think that it's I think that the the matchup here is a lot more even than uh, the line is willing to admit. If that's if 44 to three happens, chicken and waffles on daddy. All right. I'll take some chicken and waffles. I could use some. I haven't eaten yet today. Uh, I've spent zero point absolutely no time, obviously, because my bread and butter are breaded and buttered, you know, talking pats and living in the AFC. Um, After the most improbable finish that I've seen, I even think that play by Stefan Diggs last week, I tweeted this out after the game and some people gave me some flack for it, but I think... I'm still pretty comfortable with my feelings on this that, you know, there have been some crazier finishes, you know, final moments, finishes, if you will, from Super Bowl 51, the Butler play and some other, like the pass to Santonio Holmes in Super Bowl, Super Bowl 43. But in terms of a final play in a football game, I have never seen a like there's been Hail Marys even. I've never seen a crazier final play in a postseason game than the Minneapolis miracle. That just was not supposed to happen. There's just, there's just no way. 10,000 different things had to go right slash wrong, and they all did. Uh, I that agree. Was unbelievable. I agree for, for several reasons. Like In terms of stage and drama and surprise, the only game that, that registered as being uh, – uh, superior is the uh, the kick six in the Iron Bowl, like where it, it was so unbelievable. Oh, dude, what a great call! I hadn't thought about. Now that is co- okay. That's college. That's and that college, may even, which which has okay. a little bit more of a chaos factor uh, in and of itself. Oh my God, Bama was going for the win, and uh, and the Saints are are you know Sean Payton is on the sidelines trolling them with the skull sign. Yeah, and then oh, you're right. Good call, dude. So. Um, but yes, so think about all the, the ways that that could have been different. Like if the Saints had been up by, uh, if, if the Vikings had needed a touchdown, right, then they would have had to do a Hail Mary hook and ladder situation and it, that wouldn't have been successful because they were too far away. There was no chance for them to score a touchdown unless they, like the only option for them the only option for the Vikings was complete a pass uh, downfield and get out of bounds. And because they didn't have any timeouts left, right? No. So they, yeah, they didn't have any timeouts left. So they had to complete a pass in field goal range and, uh, and get out of bounds w- with 10 seconds on, on the clock starting with the play. So that was like their last play. That was their last opportunity to do that. That was third down. There was no other way. If, if the Saints had been up by four, they would have won. And because they wouldn't have been guarding against the, the, the play uh, that, that sent them out of bounds. Now, the Saints ran the wrong defense. They obviously, poor Marcus Williams, uh, lost his mind with, with that whiff uh, misjudging. Uh, all sorts of things. But, but the sheer surprise from, of going from losing with the with an outside outside tiny chance of kicking a uh, a long field goal with for the hope to win to 
just straight up winning it on that play. No, I've in the NFL, I've never seen anything like that because every other great drive at the end of a game or, you know, even with uh, Super Bowl 49 with Malcolm Butler's interception, all of that happened within the confines of of enough time on the clock with timeouts left with with normal drives against a tired defense like all of these all of those things happened within believable constructs and the Minnesota miracle was something that was outside of our imagination and that's what made it so wonderful it was unbelievable i still thought like he had to have stepped out of bounds that guy had to have knocked him out the fact that he took out his own guy yeah. and just misses digs altogether and you could tell that you could tell that Diggs didn't believe it either. When it when, no. he, when he first landed, he was like he was like he spun and was like he looked around and oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Yeah. Oh man. And that and I that photo that's making the rounds, dude, right now, uh, where Diggs is looking up, uh, arms outstretched to the crowd, and he had just thrown his helmet. So like, so like an like an NFL like an AP photographer has like the long telephoto lens from like the sideline of the end zone. Mm-hmm. So the helmet is in the foreground and Diggs is looking up to the crowd with arms oh. outstretched in the background. It is savage is one of those words now that I think is so overused. It makes me want to throw up on someone's feet whenever I see it anymore. But it's probably the most savage photo I've ever seen. I loved that Diggs stood up on the bench and just looked out at the crowd and like you could have read it as him like posturing, but I saw it as he had just made this unbelievable play and he wanted to like take the moment in and just look at the crowd going ape shit for it. And I was like, that's a guy who like knows how to savor a moment. Congrats, Stefan Diggs. That was awesome. Thanks, Sorry, Marcus Saints Williams. Fans. Yeah. Oh God, I feel so bad for them. I love the Saints fans too. You think Marcus Williams has eaten anything yet? Is he on a f- oh. I will say <laughs> With the, I'm sure that there are there are terrible Saints fans the way there are terrible fans, but like the way that the large the large portion of Saints fans, the most vocal, uh, have been supportive of him, and that's that's really cool. Um, yeah, but that was a man. Oof. Un, un, that's one of those uh, you'll remember where you were when type of plays. Yeah, yeah. I would have liked in my. In my heart of hearts, I was kind of hoping for a Breeze-Brady Super Bowl just because that would be fucking awesome to watch Drew Brees and Tom Brady sling it for 60 minutes. But you know what? Now I'm all in on Jags-Vikings. Oh, God. And so you're probably going to get Bortles and Foles. Yeah. Oh, oh, God. Good luck oh, selling that one, NFL. So NFC Championship game, this is what I'm into. And it is defense, defense, defense because – 60 so, minutes of strangle porn. I think I think that the three best defensive minds in the NFL are Mike Zimmer, Wade Phillips, and Jim Schwartz. And we got two of the three facing off in a game with uh, supremely talented defenses. And I think that this one's this one's pretty cut and dried for me. Like Case Keenum is a little bit better than Nick Foles, maybe even a lot better. Um, and you know, running games are about the same, you know, their offensive lines I see as, as fairly similar. They've got, they both have physical rushing attacks, you know, with more than one capable back. And I think Case Keenum's, uh, is 
is good enough to get the Vi- see the Vikings through this one. And I think that all props to Alshon Jeffrey, but the Vikings, between them having Thielen and Stefan Diggs, better wide receiving crew. I'm going to take the Vikings here. Uh, even though they're on the road, I'll say uh, 17-9. Oh, man, that sounds like... Uh... If the Pats win and I have just enough liquid celebration afterwards, that sounds like the perfect kind of game to fall asleep in the middle of the third quarter. Yeah, Can't wait. yeah I think I do think this is going to be a little strangle porny. Yeah, <laughs> that's the, the hashtag for this week. Strangle hashtag strangle porny. Um, it, I agree with all of your very logical, studied, salient reasoning, which is exactly why I'm going to pick the Eagles only because we've seen these stories enough to know or at least to feel like, well, if Minnesota pulls that kind of upset, they're obviously the team of destiny, right? I mean, they didn't just win that for, you know, just for the hell of it. So obviously it's, it's, they're meant to be the first team ever that goes and plays in their own stadium for the Super Bowl, And as the visiting team, no less, right? I don't know. There's just this strange thing that tells me that like, they'll have just a little difficult. It's going to be, it'll be cold. And it's outdoors. It's not climate controlled. I think Keenum was better at home. He was good on the road too, but usually it was a little warmer than that. Plus the noise. Look, I'm not saying that Nick Foles, like the Foles to Aguilar show is just, is going to set the standard for offensive intrigue in the NFC championship, <laughs> but they've got enough talent. They've, I think their talent is commensurate to each other uh, on both sides of the ball. And I think their defenses are ultimately comparable as well. So, I think I'm just going to go with the home crowd because, yeah. So how about Eagles 16, Vikings 13 in a game even the NFL Network will ask its viewers, like, should we rerun this this week or should you guys just want to see another top 10? (laughs) NFL top 10 featuring Matt Ufford and Nick Stevens. Yeah, nice plug, right? Yeah. So I got got – I got this. I got the most unlikely of Super Bowl Thirty Nine rematches in Minneapolis two weeks from now. Interesting. Yeah, uh, I, don't know. I don't know why. Just, I just. Uh, you've got just, yeah, you've got Pats Eagles, both one seeds, and mm-hmm. I'm taking Jags Vikings. All right. Hunch like, and gut, baby. Hunch and gut. I like it when we when we uh, disagree. It happens so rarely. I know it's the it's the best kind of podcast sex there is. Uh, <laughs> So watch what'll happen. We'll we'll end up meeting in the middle. Yeah, I think uh, Jags you know. Eagles. Oh fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank God the birthday's before Sunday, so I can try and at least enjoy that. Yeah, um, I uh, I know that we're we're going about this backwards, but um, I had myself a morning today where I took. Uh, I dropped a daughter off at preschool and on Tuesday when I took her, like I texted my wife after the fact and I was like, I don't know what happened, but the kids were easy today. Like I didn't have to fight at any stage. I, I just, they just got dressed and they, they, they ate their breakfast without fighting. And, and I, when I say fighting, I don't mean fight each other. I mean like fighting me and like providing resistance, being grumpy, dragging their feet, any of no, I don't want to wear this coat. Like, just none of that. It was just easy. And I was like, oh, my God, that hasn't happened in literally months. And it was 
so nice to have a preschool morning where I wasn't stressed out. That was Tuesday. Today, I shouted at my daughter and I, I just just yelled her name at her because she was in minute 20 of dragging her feet and whining and cr and like, I don't want to wear this coat. It's too tight. It's too tight. No, it's not too tight. I'm sorry you're uncomfortable. We're going to go outside. It's, it's 20 degrees outside. You have to wear your parka. And uh, I just was so, was so over it, man. And then I had to turn around and like sprint to go to uh, another like pre-K school to like for a tour because we might be changing schools next year. And oh man, just had to uh -huh. leave that had to leave that early so I could catch two different trains to get to work to do a podcast. Yep. And I'm like, I'm looking forward to eating by dinner, hopefully. <laughs> like maybe I can eat some food today. Hey man, uh, it's funny because I, you know, my my weeks have kept my stress levels in the past year plus with the relocation, the new job, and all the effort and that it goes into it, and you know, putting the family in a new spot. Uh, so I've looked forward to and cherished any time I could actually spend more time with the kids because, like I've mentioned before, I do spend less with them. So last weekend, when I got to spend like several uninterrupted days in a row with them I can I it's amazing how much life around me slows down and I mean like it really slows down like I don't feel any pressure in the pocket if you will yeah. I just my blood pressure goes down my appreciation of just moment to moment even just uh, breathing is is easier and all of that can change the second you come back you know, we spent a little time on Cape Cod. We went down there in the ice cold to check on our little getaway getaway house. And uh, we sat around and did a lot of nothing. And I went for a run by the beach. And I ate a lot of Cheez-Its and drank some beer. And it was just fan-freaking-tastic. Uh, and then you come back home. And all it takes is just trying to get out the door to, the pre to preschool. And it reminds me and my wife that we should... We don't need a swear jar in my house. We need, we call it the Thomas jar because the same way that you shouted at Lucy, um, the older one who's going to turn five pretty soon when he just like, uh, wants something now, doesn't want to do something or especially doesn't want to put on his sneakers or his boots and his jacket in the order you want him to. So you can expedite and try to get him to school only 15 minutes late today. Yeah. You just invariably, you know, you can't say like, what the fuck or cut the shit. So you just end up like using their name over and over again, which, yeah. you know, Every parenting expert in the world will say, like, don't do that because it, it like, it, the more they hear the name, the more they'll just tune it out. Yeah. If we had a Thomas jar and we had to put a quarter in it every time, this mo little motherfucker would have, like, uh, his own Tesla waiting for him by the time he's 16. Yeah, I, uh, this morning I had to, like, leave the room and, and, like, force myself to take, like, three deep breaths because I was about to like sh shout swears at him and or so now instead i'll just be like jesus christ on uh, <laughs> like under my breath like as i'm like adjusting the basket underneath the double stroller i'll, I'll just like mutter uh like minor swears under my breath that like i hope that they can't hear when he like when when like i get frustrated and i walk away and I, and i just say like oh man cut the shit and he's over there fiddling with a lego as opposed to putting on his boot and i hear like Daddy, don't say shit. You know that's a bad word. 
don't say shit. And then I hear him using shit more because it's funny to him that he's not supposed to say it. I'm like, uh, oh man, you're an adorable mimic, but I really wish I could just give you like one small karate chop to the head right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, if the weekend goes as such and these are the greatest stresses we have, it's a good birthday and it's a good championship weekend. Yeah. 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 I, feel like, I feel like that's it, man. We had ourselves a good pod. Right on, brother. I'm uh, 44, here I come. And, uh, you know, hey, if the Pats win, I might be able to actually get out to Minneapolis for a couple of days, and who knows? But um, we're, uh, we're, not, we're, not on, we're not on to the Super Bowl. We're on to Jacksonville. We're on to 44 tomorrow, officially. All right. Uh, that is Nick Stevens. You can find him on Twitter, at Ahoy Nick Stevens. Listen to him. Uh, I, I, I forget. Mm-hmm. I, my, my mind is... W something in Boston. 107.3 WAAF. The only station that really rocks, or so I'm told. <laughs> uh, and I'm on Twitter at Matt Ufford, but you already knew that. Folks, thanks for listening to us. Uh, I realize that maybe maybe this one will actually be out before Friday at midnight. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's my goal for this one. Uh, it should be less of a heavy edit. Anyway, whew. I, I gotta say it this week. This week I mean it. Fuck stress. Thanks for listening to the inactives. You can stop now. It's over. <laughs> <laughs>